0: Hello. Welcome to episode 37 of the We're All Screwed Up and That's Okay podcast with me, Dawn Walton. Today I'm going to talk about the power of words and the power of language. Growing up, you may have heard the phrase, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And I want you to think back through your life. How many times have you been hurt by a stick or a stone or a rock? How many times have you been hurt by words by something somebody said, or the way they said it. Probably a lot more, right? So we've got this idea, this kind of illusion, that we shouldn't be subject to the power of words, but words have incredible power. They are how we communicate, they are how we build social constructs, they are how we interact, it's how we feel about ourselves, how we define our identity. We learn as much from the words that are used around us growing up as we do from the behaviours. So words have huge power, and sometimes this can limit our lives. I know people who feel that the written word, if you write it down in a blog post or in a social media post, that you give it permanence and power that it wouldn't have if you spoke it. So these people will not write stuff. And if they try and write stuff, they get themselves all tied up because they need to make it absolutely perfect because it's got such permanence. Equally, I know people who are the opposite who feel that as long as they write it down, they've got time to think about it and construct it. Whereas if they just speak it, they're going to spew out something and you know, put their foot in their mouth and, and say something that offends people so they won't speak out for themselves because there's huge risk in just an unfiltered way of speaking. Either way, it's a perception. It's a perception based on language. And language has huge power in the way we interact, in the way we feel. This is why so often emails or text messages can be taken the wrong way because with language comes all sorts of meanings and associations. The way we communicate, you know, whether you put a smiley face or an unhappy face, can change the whole meaning. So it's not the words themselves that cause the problem, it's the meaning in the words themselves. I have a, a local friend who is uh, an animal behaviorist, mainly around dogs. She is quite the magician. She kind of does for animals what I do for people, to be honest. And um, she specializes in helping dogs that people think uh, are going to have to be put down. And she can rehabilitate them because she just gets the the way dogs' brains work. And obviously dogs have owners. So one of the things she does a lot of work with is working with owners who are struggling with their dogs for whatever reason. She runs a group every morning in our local park where owners can bring their dog and they can go for a walk with her and her dogs. And she has five or six dogs plus at any one point in time. So the great thing about this group is you can take your dog, you can learn the theories and the approaches and the practical stuff, but you can actually then apply it because you're walking around a big park, both with a pack of dogs that she has, plus the other dogs that they meet. So she can help them with how to respond, what's appropriate. And one of the things we do with our dogs is they are members of our families. And so sometimes we forget that they're also animals. And and like children, <laughs> animals and children, etc. And so they need boundaries. They need structure. and They need consistency. And we don't do that particularly well, especially with our dog, dogs, because we don't want to upset them or offend them, or you know, the dogs, they're animals. But one of the things she really struggles with is getting through to the owners. <laughs> she can do anything with the dogs, but trying to get the owners to understand can be a real challenge for her. So we uh, we went for a walk the other day. She invited me on one of these walks that she was doing, and she asked my help. She said, you know, I, I'm really struggling because I can't seem to get the message across to the owners, and I'd like you to observe me and the dogs and, and all the interactions and help me understand what I can do to make myself more effective. So I went on this walk, the amazing walk. Right? <laughs> How often do you get a chance to go on a walk We like, five little dachshunds and huskies and all these dogs just kind of running around. Um, but amazingly well-responsive to her. It was just quite phenomenal and quite a lovely experience, to be honest. Um, but I got to observe. And, and you know, she she's German, so there is a certain Germanic trait, which tends to be fairly direct. But there's also this kind of needing to deal with people who like if you talk to somebody about parenting they they think they're doing it all right even though they might be struggling and if you try and give them advice if you do it in the wrong way it can be taken as criticism so it's a really tricky balance to get so i was observing this behavior and i was observing the way the owners responded and i was able to help some of the owners you know who had anxieties and the anxieties were being passed on to the dogs and i was able to give them some tips but when we sat down afterwards and had a coffee and chatted about it, there were some interesting things. It was just about language. It was just about language. So there was a, um, a guy with a small um, toy poodle or something like that that was very, it was lovely. It was doting on him. He doted on it. But if any, anybody tried to take its ball, if any dog came close to it, it kind of growled and snapped at them. And this is, this is not great behavior. Um so she was trying to explain why a muzzle is a good idea, just until it learns not to growl and snap and how um, he should keep it on a lead. And she was trying to discuss what, what happened in his life outside of this walk. But she was doing it in a, you know, you need to do this. You, you do this and you shouldn't do this. And the thing is, when you tell somebody something in a black and white way, then what happens is you get your hackles up very easily. If I say, you know, you treat your dog too much like a princess, you might go, you don't know what you're talking about. My dog is part of my life. She's important. She's, she's really critical. And therefore, you don't listen to everything that comes afterwards. This is, this is a thing that happens in, in hypnotherapy, by the way. When we get trained in hypnotherapy, your, hypnotherapy is all about the use of language. It's all about suggestion. But it's about suggestion that your brain, your subconscious will listen to. Most of it's based on um, a guy called Milton Erickson, who was like the founder of hypnotherapy, who was practicing well into his 80s. Um, and he used an approach called direct authoritarian, which is you will do this. You know, as I count down from five or three to one, you will feel more relaxed. You'll go deeper and deeper until you are in the ultimate relaxed state there's a thing in um in hypnotherapy called deepener and and one of the common things is you know you're kind of going down these stairs and at the bottom of the stairs there is a big bed with a big feathered down duvet and lovely soft squishy feather pillows and you know as as i talk you step closer and closer and you feel more and more relaxed i'm allergic to feathers (laughs) So, if you're trying to talk me without interacting with me down into this more relaxed state by sitting on a bed that is full of feathers I'm thinking I'm going to get cold (laughs) I don't want to go near that bed it's not relaxing for me at all you might also say to somebody um, if you can imagine that you're lying on the beach and you can feel the warmth of the sun on your skin Maybe last time you were on a beach, you got sunburned really badly and the warmth turns into pain straight away. You don't know these things if you just tell people what to think. So direct authoritarian is a bit hit and miss. So telling people that this is what they're doing wrong can be hit and miss. They might agree with you and then it works, but they might also go, well, that's not true. And the minute you've got that's not true, then everything that comes afterwards, you're in, la, 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 I'm not listening to. So you can use language to work around that. You can make suggestions rather than say things. You can say some things more or less. So you might find that if you put her on a lead, that she doesn't get quite as defensive. You might find that if you put a muzzle on her, that you don't have to worry quite so much when another dog approaches you. Using phrases like you might find, you might find this is easier, you might find this happens more or less, means that your brain has wiggle room in it. Your brain can go, oh, well, I I might actually, yeah, that might be true, or it was a bit more, or it was a bit less. Whereas if you say absolutes, you'd go, nope, nope, that's not true, I don't feel relaxed, therefore it's not working. You can use curiosity. Curiosity is absolutely the most powerful tool you ever have in anything you're doing. I wonder. I wonder what might work. I wonder what I'll notice that's different. I wonder if you try holding the pencil that way, whether it will be easier for you. That language, I wonder, means, I'm not saying it's true or false, easier. Easier than what? Where's the baseline? It doesn't matter, right? If there's any change, it could be easier. So your brain has wiggle room. So language is hugely powerful. So as we went through, we were talking about this. We were talking about the way that she can communicate. Her goal is to get them to listen. So, And she knew that what she was doing wasn't really working. So it's like, well, try it this way. Try this. See what happens. See if you find it easier to do that. Now, it's tricky. It takes a bit of practice. I've been doing it for years, so I'm quite used to doing it. I don't even realize I'm doing it now. But just try and notice your language. Are you saying things as truths or are you suggesting the possibility? Because possibility and curiosity are your two friends on this one. And it was interesting. You know, there were even kind of dog training things. Um, A lot of the, the owners would be like, good girl, good boy, good girl, good boy, constantly, good girl, good boy. And then when the, the dog did something, you know, like went for another dog or something like that, and then it listened to them and they came back they say, good girl, good boy. Right, well, how does the dog know the difference between generalized, you know, I think you're great, you're a good girl, good boy, and I did this and this event happened. How can you learn when you don't actually know what you're learning? What you need is, I did this, this was my praise, I'll do it again. What thing did I do that I'm getting praised for? And if you use that language all the time, then it just dampens it all out. So one of my suggestions was use a different phrase for the praise phrase. Well done. Yes. Something like that. So every time they come back to you, yes, give them the treat, whatever. You save good girl, good boy for when you're giving them a cuddle and hugging them and doing all that sort of stuff. But when they've responded to something and you want to acknowledge that response, you use an acknowledgement word. Not the generic word, and that way they can repeatedly do it and learn by repetition. When I do this, I get the praise. When I do this, I get the praise. I'll repeat this. So, language it's not that there's a wrong or a right, it's just if you're finding that what you're doing isn't working, then try something different. So, I was listening to a TED talk the other day, and it was one of these animation ones rather than somebody standing there, and they were talking about lying and we have this idea about you know the um what they call the the tests where they they check the change in your physiology um but there's lots of things that change our physiology lying doesn't necessarily do it and if somebody doesn't really care about lying then you're not going to get a pupil dilation heart rate increase and all those sort of things you can also create those effects by different things so the lie detector tests are And the physiology tests are actually not the most reliable way of knowing whether somebody's lying. But this talked about language. It talked about the certain language changes that people do when they're lying. So, for example, one of the things that people tend to do when they're lying is they tend to use far more fancy language, far more technical language, not so down to earth and colloquial. So when you're lying about something, you construct a more elaborate structure in your sentences than you would do if you were just saying it as it was. The other thing they noticed is that people tend to talk in the third person when they're lying, a kind of passive reference, rather than the I-me kind of stuff that they do when they're telling the truth. So they, they looked at this um, American politician, and he would um, was trying to dispute paternity over a child that was claimed to be his and when he first was disputing the paternity over her he was using very you know third person it is said that they are my child but um you know um i do not acknowledge that this person is whatever all that sort of stuff and um he was using structured fancy language third person you know it is That is. And then as things transpired, actually, she was his and his language totally changed. You know, I I will do whatever is necessary. I take ownership for her. I'm her father. I will do this. And it was just really interesting. Same guy, same topic. But the difference between when he was lying about it and when it was true. So so language can tell us a lot. And we need to be really aware of the, the language we're using and how we use it. It happens when we're we're talking to kids as well. Because we've talked in previous podcast episodes of, of brain development of kids and and how they don't understand consequences until the mid-twenties. So we can get in these conversations. And one of the things we tend to do as parents is we try and fix things, you know. We wanna we wanna make things better. We wanna use our experience, we wanna make things better. You know, if a kid's struggling with um not feeling good enough feeling a bit rubbish in a particular class then we're going to point out that other people are rubbish in other classes other people have insecurities we're going to try and do that thing to say it's not really you but what you're doing with that with that use of language in that way is you're denying their reality you're not saying you're saying basically you shouldn't feel this way because Now, you might be doing it with a great intent, but the core message is you shouldn't feel this way. And so there's going to be one of two things that happen. Either they're going to feel bad for feeling that way, or they're not going to talk to you anymore because you're just going to tell them they shouldn't feel that way. No matter how good your advice is, it doesn't matter because what's true is how they feel. And we can use language to allow us to be able to deal with these things. Language like, I get that, it must really suck. That must be really hard for you. I can understand why you're struggling with that. Kind of putting yourself in their reality, in their head, in their moment and going, yeah, let's accept that you genuinely feel this way. How would I feel if I genuinely felt this way? If I wasn't fixing it, I wasn't sorting it, I wasn't trying to make them see it in a different way. How would I feel? And then you meet them where they're at. You're just like, yeah, I get that. That must really suck. And actually, that gives you the space to be able to start nudging. That must really suck. I wonder why they did that. I wonder, and curiosity again, right? I wonder. I wonder why they're treating you that way. I wonder why they're reacting to you in that way. There must be something going on with them. Isn't there? Are they like that with anybody else? And And so you've acknowledged and validated the way they're feeling. And so now you can get curious about the impact on them. you know, and, and if it's like, oh, I don't like to ask questions in class, okay. That's <laughs> all right sometimes, right? I can understand that. I don't like to ask questions either, so that's fine. Don't ask questions. <laughs> and actually, by doing that, you're giving them permission to ask questions, because there's no risk, right? It's okay, I get that. It must be really scary, so don't do it. <laughs> you know? And, and I think, sometimes especially when we're therapists and things like that and we're self-aware which to be honest if you're kind of listening to this podcast you've probably got a pretty good self-awareness then we look at everything to be fixed i don't think we need to fix everything sometimes we need to just sit in stuff be in it recognize how hard things are and just sit in the space you might have seen all these things that kind of go around facebook and stuff about the piglet and poo stuff and you know, people making up words over the top of a, a pretty much a standard image, isn't it, of, of Piglet and Pooh with their backs to us sitting on a, a bench or something. But the, but the gist of these things is the same. It's just like, you know, just be OK with not being OK sometimes. I know that's a real cliche at this stage, but it's not saying that it's OK to be struggling or um, that suddenly, magically, everything needs fixing. It's just saying that sometimes things really suck. Sometimes things are really hard. And the first step in being able to move on from these things is actually to just go, yes, yes, absolutely, this is really hard. I'm really struggling. It doesn't mean that's always going to be the way. If I'm really struggling with stuff that comes from memories in the past, doesn't mean that that's true now. But it does mean that my feelings are true and my feelings are valid. And language is the first step to this. Words are the first step to this. I acknowledge and I accept that this is how I'm feeling. I've been working through basically reliving some of my childhood trauma. Well, all of it really. With a person, um, with my cousin who was there through many of the bits but didn't know most of the stuff that happened. And that's meant going back and going, yeah, that was really bad. <laughs> Something that I've I've tried to deny my whole life, it wasn't really that bad. Feeling like I made a big deal out of nothing. But actually, there's been real power in stopping for a moment and going, yeah, I felt that way. That was really bad. It had a bad impact on me. It had a big impact on me. It's affected me for the rest of the life because that allows me to say, but that doesn't need to be true anymore. Oh, and that brings me to that other word, right? But. But. But, 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 but. kind of cancels out everything that went before it. Have you noticed? It's true, but. I agree, but. <laughs> yeah, you could do it that way, but. it just like, I just like ignored the first part. So try just as an experiment using the word and instead of the word but. Whenever you think but, say and instead. It may be a bit weird at first, but it massively changes the way something sounds and the meaning in the sentence. And I guess the last thing I wanted to talk about is something I just shared on my Facebook page recently, which is many years ago, I I, I went to a talk um, and they were talking about this concept of because I said I would. And alex sheehan i think his name is the guy who when his dad died one of the things he realized is one of the legacies his dad had given him was he did stuff because he said he would do stuff he always had if i make a promise i'll do it because i said i would do it and this this kid realized the power in that and he came up with these ideas called promise cards and he would send them anywhere for free anywhere in the world he'll send i still do it's a a social um social enterprise that is now on online called because i said i would and they will send these promise cards to anywhere and if you think about language you think about the times we say yeah sure i'll do that or i'll meet you there or i'll do that for you we casually say lots of things. We casually make lots of promises. And, and, you know, sometimes maybe we do it to shut somebody up. Sometimes we do it because we actually fully intend to do something. Um, but how often do you not do what you said you would? It's interesting. I, I have one of my really core values is integrity, you know. So for me, if I say I'll do something, I will do it. And it's important for me to talk to you. If I'm struggling to do it, I will tell you. So, so for me, it, it, it's a real core value to deliver on what I promise. And so I'm, I'll be careful about what I promise because I know I will deliver on it. But how often do we casually break promises? Do we casually not do something we say? And if you've been in receipt of that, somebody promising you something they've not done, how did it make you feel? How is your self-worth when you think that somebody's prioritizing something above you? I used to run a 500-seat call center here in Dundee, and I have a thing about time. I I think, you know, if a meeting starts at 9, you're in the meeting for 9 o'clock. You don't turn up at 9 for the meeting. Um, I, I have a bit of a problem in that I turn up too early for most things, but, you know, I do believe in good timekeeping. So when I sat down with my management team on this site, I said to them, Just so we're clear, if you are late to one of our meetings, you might as well just say to me, Dawn, I have something else that is higher priority than you and I've chosen to do that instead. That's what you're saying. So be clear, when you turn up late to a meeting, that's the message that you're giving me. My managers generally didn't turn up late to my meetings after that. Because for me, turning up when you said you would is a sign of me being important enough for you to turn up. And turning up late for me, and that's my personal interpretation, means that there are other priorities that are more important. So this is the power of words, because we do all have our own interpretations, and it comes from our own personal experiences, our own stuff, right? We all have our own stuff. So like with everything that I talk about, this is about awareness. Awareness is your first step. Accept that these things, we all have our stuff. And be curious. Stay curious. Use wonder and curiosity because that is the answer to everything. It's the way through everything. It turns things from inside of your head to a puzzle box to something you can deal with. Experiment and play and try things and find what works. And accept that it might not work for other people just because it works for you. I accept that. I have a thing about time. If I'm in charge, then people will follow my rules. But if I'm attending something with somebody else, then they're late, that's so be it. I'm not going to kind of get all shirty with them and upset with them because that's, that's their model of the world. I want you to notice the power of language. I want you to notice the promises you make. I want you to stay curious about where your stuff comes from, where other people's stuff comes from. And what wiggle room you have. Start using words like might. You might find. I wonder. Instead of will, do. You know, that direct language. Try and use if, maybe, might words. Try it with your kids. It's amazing. Because it doesn't give them anything to kick back from. There's a phrase that is, it's easier to push off the bottom of a swimming pool, right? So if you say you will do this, then you can go, I won't. (laughs) You know, it's dead easy. Something to push off if you say you might find it easier to do this what are you going to fight against yeah of course i might find it easier might not but you know who am i fighting now give it a try play with it let me know if you get anything that really works for you you can always um send me a message and go hey this really works for me um i'd be really curious to know see there's that word again anyway i'll speak to you soon